Welcome to the Womb Wisdom Podcast. My name is Holly Deaver, and I'm the owner and operator of Rosebud Wellness, where I practice women's holistic health, utilizing acupuncture, Chinese herbalism, yoni steaming, Arvigo abdominal massage, and the fertility awareness method. This podcast will be part conversations with women who are mothers or hope to be mothers on their journey through menstruation, fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and motherhood, and part information about the holistic health practices that I use in my practice. Please enjoy. Thanks so much for listening. If you are interested in learning more about the fertility awareness method, or if you don't know what I'm talking about and you would like to know what I'm talking about, then I have just the resource for you. I recently released a three-part video series that is completely free, and in that video series, I talk about what the fertility awareness method is. So essentially, it involves tracking and charting your three main fertile signs, which include basal body temperature, cervical mucus, and cervical position, which is an optional sign. So in the video series, I talk a little bit about how to track and chart each of those signs and what some of those signs can reveal to you in terms of your goals for for your fertility if you are calling in a pregnancy if you're avoiding pregnancy if you are simply using this method to assess your overall health we also talk about the cycle parameters and what we are looking at in terms of what's optimal for a healthy cycle then we talk about the applications of the fertility awareness method. So in terms of optimizing your chances of conception, if you're someone that's wanting to get pregnant, we talk about timing sex appropriately so that you are having sex when you're actually fertile. If you believe that you're fertile every single day of the cycle, then you are definitely going to want to check out this video series because that is not true. The fertility awareness method can also be used to optimize your cycle. So we're looking at all of these parameters and then from there, making tweaks to nutrition, potentially lifestyle, sleep, supplementation, all sorts of things to optimize your cycle so that uh, pregnancy is more possible. It can also be used to avoid pregnancy without the use of synthetic hormones or devices. And basically the reason that it can be used for achieving and avoiding pregnancy is because you make different decisions during your fertile window, depending on what your goals are. So either way, you're identifying when you're fertile and when you're not. And then the way that you're engaging sexually will change based on your goals and your intentions, as well as the goals and intentions of your partner. Uh, the fertility awareness method can also be used to assess your overall health or identify any underlying health conditions, things like your metabolism, cervical issues, endocrine issues, things like PCOS, hypothalamic amenorrhea, endometriosis, all sorts of things can be revealed by tracking and charting your cycle. So it is a really essential piece of information, I think, for all people that menstruate and that have uteruses or uteri. So I would love to see you in my free video series and you can find it on my Instagram at rosebud underscore wellness. And it is linked in my bio there. It's often linked in my stories as well. If you have any trouble finding it, send me a message at rosebud underscore wellness. Welcome back to the womb wisdom podcast, everybody. I am here today with Nicole Crook. 
and her business is called Fertile Garden Wellness, and she is in New York, I believe. Yes. And um, she's an acupuncturist and an Arvigo abdominal massage therapist like myself. So I was really excited when she reached out to me to kind of like talk about these things that I'm so passionate about and love. And she's been doing Arvigo for way, way longer than me. So I think she'll be able to share some, some really interesting insights about that too. Um, so I'd love to start off, Nicole, with your personal story. So I mentioned that I love to talk to people about their first period experience. And especially in, in Chinese medicine, we know that we always ask about when women got their first period and what that experience was like. So um, yeah, anything that stands out to you about that early menstruating years or the first period itself? That's perfect. It's such a great question because it leads into what kind of led me to this work because, um, you know, I had, my stepmother had had like a little talk with me. She brought me like a little box with pads and, um, and information, but like, that was kind of it. And it was in the closet until I got my period and my period came like definitely on the day that I had a party at the beach and I was just devastated. My stepmother wasn't home, but at least I knew I had something, um, you know, I had to tell my dad and I was really embarrassed, but he was, he was very sweet about it. And, um, and I had incredible cramps. Like that was the worst part of it because nobody told me about that. And, um, and it was almost kind of scary because I had never really had that feeling, especially down in my pelvis. So, um, yeah, so it was, it really threw me off a lot. And in the old days we had like a little belt with a pad, like no sticky adhesives. Um, you know, I didn't learn how to use a tampon until later in life. And so it was just, it was, it felt a little embarrassing and, um, and, and I just couldn't understand why it was so painful because nobody told me about that. So, um, you know, later in life, like I basically where I got most of my information was of course through my girlfriends, because I didn't, I didn't feel so comfortable talking to my family because, you know, I figured they gave me the talk, they gave me the box and that was it. But, um, I was mortified because anytime I, I would spot in my underwear, my stepmother would like get, make me put a bowl in my closet with ammonia in it to get the stain out. And so like, I cannot smell ammonia to this day. <laughs> wow. That is, I've never heard of that before. <laughs> I think I, I really needed some shout it out or something. Yeah, else. totally. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, it, 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 it was, there were just all these unknowns that I didn't know about. And, and I think, um, that's one of the most important things to me now as an adult is like to make sure that young girls find out about their periods and what's involved and what's normal and what, you know, when you really need to reach out for help and, you know, that your periods really shouldn't be, be pure, uh, be painful. And if you miss periods, you know, when you're younger, that's okay. But unfortunately, a lot of times women get put on birth control to regulate their periods. Uh -huh. And then that whole cycle just goes on for years and years. And the problem is, is that we just, as Americans, we don't have uterine care. Like we don't know anything about our uterus. We know like you can get your period and these 
things can happen, but we're not educated in, you know, where our uterus is, what it does, what is this, what's the whole structure? Like, what's the cervix? I didn't know what the cervix was until, you know, way later in life. So, um, so that's kind of been my mission is to, um, to educate women and anybody who will listen, anybody with a uterus. And, um, and that's kind of what led me to this work. I love everything that you're sharing. And I, I have like a, a free video on my website where I teach, it's mostly about fertility, the fertility awareness method. But in the first part of the video, I have like a female reproductive anatomy sort of picture. And I talk about that the uterus, like that the cervix is part of the uterus and the reason, and sometimes I'm like, everybody knows that though. Right. But I add that in because people, even that have given birth and know about cervical dilation, don't even really know sort of what it is. We are just so robbed of the ability to have real bodily autonomy and literacy because nobody was saying anything. So I just, we're so aligned in our mission. I, I love what you're sharing. Um, So you mentioned that your period was really painful, like that initial time. Did that continue throughout your teen years? And then what was like the approach to alleviating that? And was birth control, were they so birth control happy at that time? Because I'm one of those people that was like, you skip periods and then they're like, oh, got to go on birth control. So um, were they doing that at that time? Yeah, that was part of it. So I, um, you know, I continue, every period was painful. Um, my best friend was my doll. Um, I would take that and it would help. Uh, it was usually the first two days of maybe like a seven day period. I didn't flood or anything like that, but I, but I had a lot of blood and I had a lot of clots and I, you know, nobody explained to me why that was happening and that it wasn't normal. Um, they did try and put me on birth control. Um, I got really sick. I got really sick and I couldn't remember to take it right. And, and I thank goodness, like something in me knew that this was not right for me early on. So I, I think I took it for maybe like three months and that was it. Um, I did find fertility awareness, um, early twenties, which was great. Like I found a book and I was so excited because I, nobody had ever spoken to me about this. So, um, so that was like part of that, that journey as well. I kept picking up these little pieces. Um, but I, I, when I went to go see my gynecologist at like 20, um, she told me that my uterus would, I was telling her that I was having painful periods she, I told, I, she's, I, she said that my uterus was retroverted. I said, well, what does that mean? And she said, well, you'll probably continue to have like painful periods. You may have, you know, some fertility issues. And I said, well, what can I do about it? And she said, well, you could either have a hysterectomy at 21 or ride or a this, retroverted uterus or ride this out through menopause. And like, that was a big stretch. And there was just something that resonated when she said that to me was like, I, I just knew in my heart of heart that there was something else, you know, and, you know, my diet was bad. I was a sugar addict. I wasn't sleeping well. You know, there was there was a bunch of lifestyle things that nobody had this discussion with me about, you know, that could have really helped me. Um, so later in life, what I found out was uh was I found the Arvigo work. 
Can I just rewind you for a second? So how did she determine that you had a retroverted uterus? Did she palpate on your abdomen or was it internal? she, she, She did an internal exam. She may have done a sonogram at the time. I don't remember but, um, and, and, and I had no idea what that meant in my head, like, cause I'm a very visual person. So I didn't see what she meant, but just, but just what I heard inside of me was like, there's something else. Wait, there's something else. Wait. Um, well, and maybe I would say probably a lot of people don't know what a retroverted uterus is. So if you can just kind of describe what that means. Yes. So the uterus is amazing. It has this amazing ability to go from four ounces, like the size of a lemon to like 15, 16 pounds when you're pregnant, the size of a watermelon, and then back down in a month if everything is nice and healthy. And there's like 13 ligaments that support the uterus in the, in the, in the pelvis. So you have the pelvic floor muscles underneath, but supporting the uterus to have this ability to really expand and contract our ligaments in the front, the back, the top, the bottom. So as she expands, they kind of support her off of the other organs um, and arteries and veins and nerves and lymphatics in the, in the body. However, when the when there's some kind of trauma to the body, usually physical or long-term aerobics, things like that, um, the those ligaments can overstretch just like the elastic in your waistband. So what happens is your uterus can just fall in the pelvis wherever that happens. So it can go forward um, antiverted and sit a little bit on top of the bladder. It can go retroverted and sit back onto the intestines. And, and also like definitely around your period, most women, because there's more weight on these organs are going to feel either like they have to pee more often or not a complete pee or a just in case pee or um, there could be more constipation, diarrhea, things that happen with the bowels, more back pain for sure. Um, The uterus can go over to the side and and lay on the ovaries or the fallopian tubes. So for fertility, that's really important. It can go to the side and go forward. It can do like all sorts of stuff in the pelvis wherever those ligaments have become overstretched and, and compromised. The great thing about the Arvigo work is what it does is it helps to strengthen those ligaments. It gets circulation by stretching those ligaments. It's kind of like doing little bicep curls for those ligaments to strengthen them to bring the uterus back into the pelvis. So it gets that full circulation so that the uterus is able to empty out every month because when the uterus shifts, it shifts the the cervix, which is the bottom part of the uterus. It goes into the vaginal canal. So when the position of that cervix is compromised, then the blood usually has to go first up against gravity and then down. So um, that's why women could have, you know, some cramping. A lot of times the uterus doesn't completely clean out. So you can get things like endometriosis, clotting, um, the uterine lining just isn't as healthy or thick in a, in a healthy way. Uh, to to support pregnancy, to help with the periods, that type of thing. So I didn't have any inf- any of that information. You know, if if I had been brought up in a third world country or a place where they don't have as many um, you know hospitals and clinics to do uh, exams and and give medication and do surgeries. Um, I would have known about my uterus a lot more. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, so much of this has been lost because of modern technology. So it's like wonderful to have, but at what cost kind of thing. Yeah. 
So, yeah, so you were starting to transition before I, I rewound you um, into talking about finding the Arvigo abdominal massage work. So was that something that you found? It sounds like you found it pretty early on in your life. Not really. No. Oh, no. Okay. So, no. So I, I didn't find it until I was like 35, 37, something like that. Um, so had I, you I, just I, been dealing with your period pain with weight all and yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It just, that's what was going to happen. I didn't. Yeah. So what, but, but later when I started doing the Arvigo work, what I found was my story. And my story was that when I was five, five or six, I fell off of a, a, a tall slide in the park and this, there was a cement slab under it and I fell straight on my sacrum and I got like a concussion and you know, that, that cleared, I went to the doctors, they're like, everything is all right. So that was like the first thing that I think happened because my, my sacrum, you know, was compromised and, um, and there was a lot of trauma there that didn't get dealt with, you know, so there was like scar tissue adhesions, you know, for a major area of your pelvis, um, with circulation and blood flow. So I think over time, that's why my ligaments started to give out. And then on top of it, the fact that it never got addressed, which if I had grown up in Belize or somewhere else, it believe me, the grannies would have picked me up and done massage after they took me to the hospital. Um, but I, I ended up being a gymnast and a dancer. So all of that continual, like stretching that, that kind of like pulling on those ligaments when they were already kind of compromised that made issues um, even, even more uh, intense. And so I think when I got my period, like my uterus was out of place mm -hmm. and, you know, didn't get, didn't get dealt with until I was much later in life. So, um, so when I was in massage school in like 96, uh, a friend of mine had gone to Belize. She stayed next door at Shaw Creek, um, which is a resort next to where Dr. Rosie Darvigo had her farm. And um, she, they have like a little medicine trail there. And she had a little bookstore and she had her book uh, called uh, Sestoon, My Apprenticeship with a Maya traditional Maya healer, which talks about a bunch of case studies of her working with Donnelly Gilponti, who was her teacher, who was a traditional healer in, um, in Belize. And um, one of the case studies was about a woman who was trying to get pregnant. She was having painful periods, painful intercourse, which I had since the first time I had intercourse, it was always painful. So, you know, I'm thinking, oh, my periods are supposed to be painful, live with it. Intercourse is supposed to be painful, live with it. Um, and that was like when that, when that lightning bolt hit and I was like, this is what I need to find. So uh, Rosie, Dr. Rosita was not doing um, any trainings yet. And um, I, that summer I saw that she was at a, gonna be at an herbal conference, uh, Green Nations Gathering. And uh, several women, there was probably about eight or nine women that cornered her after the lecture and said, we've read your book, you need to t show us about this uterine massage. So, um, She's like, well, I don't know. And she's like, I'm in Belize. We're like, you have to. So she came back maybe like three, three to six months later. Um, she brought two traditional healers with her uh, and, and midwives, uh, uh, Mrs. Hortense and um, 
I can just think of her last name right and see her face, but they had been working with um, their community for years as, as the healers and kind of doctors for their people. Um, so we got incredible training and the more we did this, the more we like saw that it needed to go past self-care because I went home, I was taught how to do the, the five minute self-care that we teach our patients how to do. And within the first month, it was the first time in my life from age 13 to like age 36 that I didn't have a painful period. I was like, oh my goodness. Like if and I that was just from doing the self-care massage on yourself. Five minutes a day for like 25 days. Wow. That's amazing. It was amazing. It was a miracle. It mm -hmm. was an absolute miracle. So um, I, I decided in that moment, like, this is my life's work. Like, I have to share this information with other women and, and anybody who will listen. So in the next month, um, I, still no painful period. Wow. Like, this, this is amazing. Um, and I just felt better. You know, I just, my low, I didn't have the low back pain, like nothing. And by the third month, it was the first time that in my life, that I didn't have painful periods, I didn't have the back pain, and I and I had intercourse that wasn't painful. I I was sad, but I was also so elated. And there was just something in me that said, I need to continue to carry this torch for other women because people and and people who have uteruses, because this should not be going on. So for the last 26 years, this has been my work. And mm -hmm. uh, we start, we helped to start a profession. We were among the first 13 practitioners. And now there's thousands of people that practice um, my abdominal therapy and uh, our Vigo techniques of my abdominal therapy uh, in, in over like 22 countries. So it's amazing. And I love it because we have doctors and um, functional medicine, and we have acupuncturists and chiropractors. So everybody also brings in this wealth of information to share among different practitioners so that we gain more information within our um, profession. And I've just, I've treated thousands of patients and, and they have pretty much the same um, uh, experience, you know, like for the first time they were able to not have a period. And like, I know what that feels like, you know, I'm kind of like the wounded warrior that came to this work. Um, and I, and I realized that part of that is because I can now help other people. Um, and then I do a lot of fertility in my work. So I'll kind of do like get people ready to get the periods regulated. I'll do fertility with them, either assisted or natural. Hopefully a lot of people get pregnant, like, and I never hear from them until they call me for, prenatal or, or the next baby. Um, but it's, I love that process, prenatal, postnatal, post postpartum, and, you know, get ready for the next baby. And then even into, um, perimenopause and menopause, I've been doing it for so long. I've, I, <laughs> you've had the whole life cycle with people. I, That's so yeah, cool. which is great, which is great. And, and, and one of the reasons I became an acupuncturist was because I was so good at doing, um, you know, doing body work and really, you know, opening up scar tissue and helping, helping, you know, lining and all of this kind of stuff. But I wasn't fabulous at hormonal issues. And when I was going through perimenopause, I was having, you know, anxiety, 
rushes. They were kind of like hot flashes. I would get a little bit of hot flashes, but I would get like anxiety rushes every um, hour or so for like five minutes. Mm -hmm. And I would just get so flustered and I like couldn't like calm myself down. So I went for acupuncture and lo and behold, you know, within a couple of treatments and some herbs, like it was like the light went on. I was like, wow, this is pretty great. And then I went for back pain and they fixed that. And then I went for, um, I can't even remember jaw pain or whatever, you know, I kept, I kept going back for acupuncture and it kept helping me. So I was like, I really need to do this. So at age 50, I went to acupuncture school. I got my master's in oriental medicine and, um, and I love being able to have both of these modalities along with, you know, other, I've studied traditional medicine all my life. I've done, you know, herbs and flower essences and sound healing and crystals. And, you know, uh, I've worked with plants all my life since I was like eight, I think plants saved my life. So, um, yeah, so I get to bring all of that into sessions when I work with people. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, they're the only yeah. I, I mean, I'm an herbalist too, but the, any like modality that I add into my practice, I'm always like, how did I ever do it before I had this other thing? You know, it's just, there's so many wonderful healing methods out there and especially yeah. for women's health and uterine health and things like that. One thing I was curious because you are such an original Arvigo practitioner has the like system changed at all since you initially learned it? Like, have they streamlined it at all? Or, you know, any, is there anything about it that you feel like with it being, I mean, I don't mean to be controversial, but just like it being spread all over the world now and so many people doing it, has it been sort of like diluted at all? Do you feel? <laughs> um. Well, I, what I think what's re really sweet about it is that when we started, when we started this profession, it was called the uterine massage. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, so it's gone through many different names and forms because so many different practitioners came in first, it was like massage therapists, acupuncturists, and like MDs and nurses. So it was very close knit because we wanted to keep it as professional as we could, especially because it was a tra traditional modality. Mm -hmm. Um, but then other people like midwives and, um, you know, people that didn't have the same kind of licensure really just worked with a lot of women and, and felt that they really, um, wanted to use this work. They had done it on themselves, found, found that they'd gotten great results and they really wanted to share it with other people. So, um, you know, eventually they let other people in that weren't, um, say state licensed or, or whatever in their profession. So, you know, there's, there's been a shift, but, and, and that's, that's had some good things in it. And also some things that, um, that are, that are maybe a little, um, uh, I don't know the right word to use. Um, they, they may not be as educated, um, and proficient at the massage sometimes. Mm -hmm. But I, but I think because there's so much continuing education that, um, that they've really, the profession has tried hard to bring those people back, you know, up to speed. Um, and when we do our, when they do the professional courses, they go over anatomy, physiology, 
Um, but I think what I've developed in my practice over the 26 years is like, I use the massage. I do all the massage protocol on the front and the back. However, there's so many other things that I've, that I've worked with now, like something that I see in my office quite often in the last five years is a lot of Asherman's where, um, there's scar tissue in the uterus because um, either of a pelvic inflammatory disease that may have not been treated well and, and that created some problems or DNCs that where um, something went wrong, there could have been some sepsis or the, the uterine lining was taken down too far um, and the uterus begins to get scar tissue. So on the inside where it's supposed to be hollow, it starts to sandwich together. So especially for fertility, that can be really challenging and they'll go in and they'll cut the scar tissue out and put a balloon to open it up and hopefully keep it open but once you've done any kind of surgery scar tissue normally comes back so mm -hmm. i've worked a lot with that and i mean one of the clients that i had her uterus was like 90 percent closed and she had to go through a couple of surgeries but she was seeing me like every she was seeing me like five times a week and really doing castor oil packs at home, which are great for breaking up adhesion, scar tissue, really nourishing for all the tissues um, and relaxing as well, which is, is something that you need when you're going through this process, because it can be, um, it can be emotionally challenging and physically and spiritually. So um, yeah, so that's been, that's been interesting to, um, you know, to have these other skills. Also, I see like, I've worked with a lot of women who have had like mastectomies and, um, and then wanted to put in, you know, replacement. Um, I can't even think, uh, what do you call it? <laughs> like a silicone yeah, yeah, yeah. To have yeah. to have to have implants. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, to do an implant, and so you know, because there's been the radiation and issues like that, you know, just doing a lot of massage and acupuncture for scar tissue and all of that, helping helping the process to go even quicker for them and less painful. So you know, I've done that, and I've done I I, I did a lot of um, neuromuscular therapy when I first get out got out of school. So there's a lot of other things that I've added into it. And I think at some point I will probably teach my own classes because it's, it's more like instead of specific Arvigo, it's, it's, it's more inclusive for like women's health, mm -hmm. so, um, which I think is really missing out there for a massage therapist for sure. And there's a lot of great massage therapists that I would love to, you know, pass this information on to and acupuncturists, people that are really good with their hands and tissues. So. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that women say to me so frequently when they get the abdominal massage, it's like, I don't think anybody's ever touched my belly like that. You know, you can get professional massages and they're amazing. They feel really good, but they really don't usually touch your belly. Or if they do, it's pretty limited because it is such a, I guess, like specialization to be able to like, know how to work with that specifically, but since you mentioned this person coming five times a week, that was something that I wanted to ask you about, which is something people ask me about a lot is like, how often should I come? How frequent? And you know, like there, there's like general recommendations by the Arvigo Institute or whatever. Um, but how, how do you usually recommend people start out when they're first receiving the massage? It, I'm sure it depends on the situation like this one, 
where her uterus was 90% closed, like needed to come really frequently. And maybe somebody that just had like a little bit of period pain, it would be slightly different. So yeah. Anything yeah. you want to share about that? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it depends on, on the condition. It depends on, um, uh, finances and time and, and all of that. But, you know, I like to, if say, say somebody's having period pain, um, and it's been going on for a while, I would like to see them once a week if I can for a couple of weeks. And, and cause I can do work in the office that they can't do at home, but I really stress to them that the more they do their self care on a regular basis, on a daily basis for five minutes, the more it's going to be easier for me to work and the faster that we'll get things done. So, you know, some people really love to commit to that and, um, and they, they take it on as a challenge and they love it. And you, they do it at night sometimes and it helps them fall asleep and they love that they can take their health into their own hands, which mm -hmm. is what this work does. Um, so, you know, someone like that, I would say like come in once a week and then maybe before you, you know, the, that week before your period, definitely come in, let's do a steam. I show them how to do it. Steams at home. I have little videos for my patients. Um, we, you know, come up with a blend or whatever they need. Um, and I have them eat a lot of like blood mover foods too. I like to incorporate foods. I do a little bit of herbal, but mostly foods I think are really great. Um, what kind of food, since you're mentioning it, what kind of foods are you tending to recommend when people are like to help support blood circulation? Yeah. So if they're not flutters or, or like a lot of clotting, um, I, I, cause most of my patients are kind of deficient. So I like to do any kind of blood movers. So in, usually anything that's red, except kind of tomatoes, but like goji berries and cherries and pomegranates and beets, like just incorporate those foods into your dates, into your, you know, food on a regular basis. And um, yeah, and I think that really helps, you know, checking out, I do a whole, you and I both do like a whole Western and Eastern um, intake with people. So if someone's anemic, you know, maybe get them on some Floridex and, and maybe some other herbal formulas. Um, but yeah, I love, I, I, I want it to be something that someone can embrace as a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. you know? That's really important. So, and, and say that I have someone going through like, uh, like an assisted cycle, Mm -hmm. then I'm going to want to see them, you know, I would love to get somebody and we would both love to get somebody in like six months to a year before they start trying. Mm -hmm. Although I will get somebody that says I'm starting a cycle this week for a retrieval. Mm -hmm. What can you do for me? Like, uh, we'll meet anybody where you're at. You don't have to be perfect about it. But um, the more time we can get, the more we can get done. So I would say most people kind of come in like once a week for a few weeks. And then I and then I start to see that they're getting a better grasp of doing the massage, too. And I'm seeing I'm seeing changes. They're seeing changes. So then we'll go like maybe once every two weeks. Mm -hmm. um, if they're doing assisted cycles, um, I I'll I'll get them in as soon as I can. And maybe I'm if they're doing like a stemming. I'll see them maybe twice a week and I'll also add in acupuncture. So that's the beauty now that I can do both of those things. Cause sometimes, you know, it's a structural thing. We need to like physically get more, um, chi and blood and, and or some chi and blood 
and we need to get those tissues separated a little bit and get, get things open. Um, so. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I have a similar perspective and then women that are trying to get pregnant. So the Arvigo abdominal massage is contraindicated if you could possibly be pregnant for the first, until the first 20 weeks, then you can, you've done, you can do the pregnancy uh, work, which is the same kind of thing, but just like different position. Um, mm -hmm. I have not taken the pregnancy training that is on my agenda for sure. But anyway, the reason I'm mentioning that is that just for the listener, basically that during the first two weeks, you know, like right after you get your period, you would kind of want to be doing as much as possible in that time. And then after you have, you are potentially pregnant, then you would lay off of it. And at that time, usually what I do is I do acupuncture instead, you know, like when we're in that two week wait period, it's acupuncture only no steaming, no right. abdominal massage. Um, and then if they got their period again, then we would kind of start over. So it sounds like you do the same kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and, the, and the other contraindication, the other major contradiction, it contra contraindication for um the Maya massages like IUDs mm -hmm. like I I will do I'll do upper abdomen work but I won't do anything right in the pelvis um for it but like one of the things I have in my client now uh, one of the patients I have now is like she keeps losing her IUD and she's like in in perimenopause so we're working to keep that IUD in so she's I won't losing do it like it's, it's falling right out it's sliding out because she has, she has her, she, because she probably had a retroverted uterus for a long time. So it slips, mm -hmm. it slips out, you know, and, and with some flooding as well. So we're looking where that's where, you know, ac, that's where I'm seeing acupuncture now is so good to help, you know, really hold to have to, to hold the whether you're holding in a baby or an IUD or whatever it is, it can mm -hmm. do yeah. Well, for us. Say that again. I said our body, our body always wants us, wants to do the job that totally. it's meant to. Mm -hmm. So since you mentioned um with your own personal story that you had this fall, it's on your back when you were a child. I mean, so that's like a question on the intake form, you know, have you ever had a fall on your sacrum or anything like that? And I've had a lot of people ask me like, why would that matter? Or, you know, when I'm asking, when I'm inquiring about it, they're like, oh, well, not recently, you know, sort of thing, but it, you were five or six at that yeah. time. Right. Mm -hmm. So do you find that you're usually able to identify for most people sort of like what happened to knock their uterus out of position? Um, and, and maybe you can go into some of those reasons that like probably most of the listeners aren't aware of, of just like daily activities or, you know, yeah. types of exercise and things like that, that could, or pregnancy, things like that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's, that was what's so mind blowing to me because I would have never put the two together that, that the, my uterus being out of place and the falls that I had and the car accidents, I was in like five car accidents with my parents. I have three, I have a stepmom and a dad and a mom. And so every single car accident they were in, I was in, you mm. know, so that big jolt, almost like, even if you don't get a whiplash, but that like 
throws your body forward and back, you know? So, and I'm always interested to see if people can remember these car accidents, how were they hit? Were they in the passenger side and they got hit from the right side or did a T-bone? Like what happened? Because usually that's where you'll see the uterus wander. And I think most people re forget, especially if you're, you know, 30 years old and you had an accident when you were like 10, mm -hmm. you know, you had a car accident or you fell like, I'm, I'm always asking one of the questions I'm sure you have too, is like, you know, did you do aerobics? Were you a runner? Did, were you a skier, skater, you know, especially all the soccer people and, you know, everything else, like all of those things can overstretch the, the, you, the ligaments easy. If, if the ligaments are strong and healthy, that's okay. It's meant to do that. It's when there's not that rebound, you know, there's a solid stop to it. Like, you know, you hit your tailbone on, you know, falling down the stairs, you know, or skiing or whatever that is. And usually there's been a couple of them. So I'll ask, I'll ask that when I go back over the question and they have nothing in there, I'll go back and say, Hey, when you were a kid, were you very active? Did you do a lot of sports? You know, were you in any, any car accident? They'll be like, Oh yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe I was, yeah. I remember this or that, you know? And so like, and that's, that starts to really open up the doors for the stories. Mm -hmm. you know? And it makes sense to me. It's like we can, when we do an intake with, um, with uh, acupuncture, or herbs, like we, we get the Western, you know, what drugs they're taking and all of that. And we ask them a bunch of questions, but boy, when you look at the tongue and the pulse, you're like, yep, absolutely. That's, mm -hmm. you know, that's liver cheese stagnation and spleen overactive. Like you can tell, like, it's kind of the, the nail for, um, to hang, to hang the whole picture up. Yeah. That makes sense. So, and what would you say are like some of the most common things that you see, you mentioned that most of your patients are deficient. And mm -hmm. I find that is true for me also. I think it is sort of just like a cultural thing, like maybe everywhere, but certainly in America of like a lot of under eating, a lot of over exercise, overwork, like people are just kind of really depleted yeah. in a variety of ways. So are there yeah. If you want to tell me like sort of the things that you see most frequently, whether it's like period issues or fertility or whatever. Um, and then if there are some like overarching themes that you're kind of always recommending for people, whether it be like lifestyle, dietary, I mean, certainly the self-care massage, but anything else that stands out. Yeah. Well, you and I live in major cities. <laughs> You're in Los Angeles and I'm in New York City. So um, we tend to get people who have like high powered jobs and have a lot going on. It's not it's not like country life where things are a little bit more simple. They're juggling, you know, going to events and having kids and and high powered jobs and a lot of stress. So you know, everybody's got some kind of liver, liver chi issue going on. So that, and that's what I love too, is like blending the acupuncture and massage is they can come in and if they're stressed out, like I just put some stuff, some needles in their heads, you know, I'll put a couple of like real calming points, maybe put in liver three to just kind of ground them for a little bit. 
I also use tuning forks in my um, practice. I use the mm -hmm. acu acutonic tuning forks. And that's another way to just kind of get somebody there because if you can let them drop down into a space where their mind can shut off for a little bit and their bodies can shut off for a little bit, then they can start to receive they can, they can, they'll start breathing, which is the most important thing, right? Everybody's like stuck up in their diaphragm. And when we do the massage, we do a lot of work in the upper abdomen to kind of open up the holes coming through the diaphragm, the major artery and vein and esophagus to get that chi and blood down to the pelvis and the hormones and get things circulating. So I really like to do that. I'll do some massage on their back because everybody's, you know, neck and shoulders, jaw, all of that. So I'll do some massage first before I even go into their bellies. Um, so that's kind of how I integrate them. But yeah, most of my people are stressed out. They're not sleeping. They don't eat well. And boy, do they exercise six to seven times a week. Mm -hmm. yeah, so that's a really, that's a real flight or flight, flight situation where the body's like, it's hard for them to become pregnant because they're, they're always on the edge, you know, there's not a lot of space. So I kind of love to create that, that place for my patients where they can shut down for just a little bit. And then that lingers over time with them, you know, then they are more inclined to start doing their self-care massage because they see how well they feel, you know, in the treatments. And this is something, oh, this is something I can do at home, you know, and then adding in some foods and meditations or whatever else, and, you know, showing them how to do steams and maybe getting them on some herbal teas, you know, mm -hmm. getting them off of a cup of coffee, you know, instead of like, three cups of coffee, getting, you know, trading in one cup of coffee for a cup of tea with some nettles or, you know, just something really basic mm -hmm. um, because they don't think about that. And their doctors are not telling them that information. And once they start to see that they are sleeping better, their periods are less crampy. Like the more you start to build that trust and they see the connections, the longer, you know, the, the easier it is for, for their bodies to receive whatever they need and to rebalance and to get pregnant or have healthy periods or better digestion elimination. Cause not only are we doing reproductive stuff, but you know, I see a lot of patients that, you know, they're constipated and they've been constipated all their lives. You know, if they have three bowel movements a week that like, they're like, Oh, that's normal for me. And nobody's ever told them mm -hmm. because we don't know how our bodies work. I mean, um, for me, it wasn't until acupuncture school that I learned that you were supposed to have a bell movement every day. I was like, oh, news to me, you know, and I was 24 at the time, which is, you know, young, but not like I could have maybe benefited from knowing that earlier in my uh, life. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So it's really powerful. And it just gets back to that, you know, traditional medicine is really powerful. And Western medicine is, has many times thrown the baby out with a bath water, as Rosita says, like, there's so many good things that we can work in tandem so well. I, I teach uh, medical doctors acupuncture. Mm -hmm. And um, it's so beautiful because like the Arvigo therapist, they come in with their different specialties and looking at the medicine. And um and I, and I just stress to them, like they have such a, uh, they have such, this is an extra tool for their tool chest to start mm -hmm. using this medicine instead of like, you know, just taking away the headache, like really trying to get to the root of what's been going on. And, um, and they really appreciate that. 
They really appreciate it. And the ones that aren't just doing like trigger point therapy with a needle, like it hurts here, let me put a needle in there and then you'll feel better for a while, but it'll keep coming back. Like they have this wonderful ability to help people. I've had um, last semester, I had a radiologist who uh, works with uh, chemotherapists, chemotherapy patients. And he wanted to help them because they they drool a lot and they have the dry eyes and the mouth sores. So he's like, how can I help side effects? You know, which is like so powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's amazing because I do, you know, when they, they teach physical therapists or chiropractors or medical doctors acupuncture, I think a lot of times it can become this sort of like dry needling type thing. And even, you know, people, well-meaning people are like, oh, I've had dry needling when they find out I'm an acupuncturist. And a lot of times I have to sort of burst their bubble that they are like, couldn't be more different techniques. It's like using the same tool, but doing a completely different assessment of like why you're doing what you're doing. So yeah, I appreciate that you are actually teaching them you know, the true heart of the medicine, which is getting to the root cause and not just applying Western medical thought to an ancient technique, which doesn't actually work like that. So um, yeah, I'd love for you to share anything else that stands out to you about, you know, things that you see a lot in the clinic or, you know, things that we haven't talked about yet. Otherwise we can just kind of wrap up and you can share about where people can find you and, and your offerings. Yeah, I, I see, you know, so I see a lot of fertility enhancement. I see, you know, prenatal, postnatal. Um, I see a lot of people with uh, scar tissue, especially from um, whether it's a cesarean or old, uh, um, appendix surgeries, or I've had people in with diverticulitis and, um, you know, I, I, I think people don't think of massage sometimes for things like that, but I think we're really helpful. And I, you know, I've treated a lot of like IBS and Crohn's, um, you know, some things I'm not going to cure, but I can definitely help with with the symptoms. And, and I think just the empowerment of teaching your patients, like what else that they can do to help themselves besides, you know, taking medications or, um, uh, you know, having to, having to live, uh, very isolated lives, but, um, yeah, so, so period pain is big fertility, digestive elimination, the constipation, um, prolapses. I do, um, bladder, uh, mostly bladder and pro and, and, uh, and, uh, uh, uterine a little bit of rectal, but not so much. Is there anything you do differently with a, a prolapse situation? With the Maya massage or with the acupuncture? I use both of them. I guess I meant a massage when I asked that, but either one, whichever, um, whatever you want to share about that. Yeah. I guess I have had people inquire about that over the years and I don't have a ton of experience with it. And I received an abdominal massage from a woman in Mexico. It, it felt very similar. Yeah, she was, it felt very similar to our Vigo. It wasn't like she was like specifically following every little thing, right? but she, I didn't have a prolapse at the time, but she did tell me that my uterus was like a little 
low, which I find a lot too, that women's uh, uterus is like a little closer to their pubic bone than would be ideal. So there's like a lot of lifting up that I'm doing. And so that's what she was doing to me. And she put my uh, my butt basically like up on, uh, I don't know if it was a wedge pillow, but on some pillows. And it just occurred to me that I like, wonder if that would probably be helpful for using gravity for a plot, oh, especially a, like very severe prolapse situation. So anyway, that was mostly what I was thinking, but anything else you yeah. want to share? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, w- I mean like any of the inversions or just like bolstering yourself up against the wall with your legs up are going to help, mm-hmm. um, you know, doing the massage, definitely, um, you kind of avoiding those things, like trying to get people to stop running if they've got a prolapse is really important, but you can't say don't, don't stop running after, you know, years of doing it, mm-hmm. but you can give them other things. Like it might be really helpful for you to, to, if you have to run, like do a little bit less, make it more of a jog and come home and do the massage, like, mm-hmm. and actually feel better because, you know, the uterus is slipping more and just by lifting up, they can feel the circulation come to the area. A lot of times when you do the massage, people are like, Oh, it's the first time. Like I felt like tingling and I felt lighter, like, especially with pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really, it's really helpful. I will, um, I'll do some massage on people in the first trimester. Mostly I'm doing a lot of acupuncture, but more like, you know, upper back or whatever, but definitely nothing in the pelvis, but come the second and the third trimester, like I teach my patients how to do just the basic easy, uh, Arvigo massage. And it's really helpful for, for, um, you know, feeling the heaviness around ligament pain, uh, the bloating, the foot in the, in the rib type thing. Mm -hmm. So that's really important. Um, what else am I treating? Those are the main things, period, scar tissue, fertility, digestion, elimination, um, and then, you know, with acupuncture, we can help all these secondary things like sleep and anxiety and, um, you know, constipation or whatever else is going on as well. Totally. Yeah. I mean, they just complement each other so well, Yeah. but yeah, <laughs> we both came to that conclusion. Yeah. So um, at this point, if you can share about what your offerings are, if you mostly do in-person stuff where you're located in the world, and um, if you have any online offerings, you can share about that for sure. And then also where people can find you online. Cause I, I looked at your Instagram and you have lots of like little interesting, you know, like education stuff and tips. So, you know, even if they're not local to you, just your, your Instagram and your, your website and things like that. Yeah. Oh, great. Thanks. Um, so my com- uh, I'm Nicole Park, but my company is um, Fertile Garden Wellness, which is um, how you can find me on, on Instagram. Uh, my website is just NicoleCruck.com. I'm, I work in uh, New York City. I'm in Union Square, Greenwich Village area. So it's kind of easy for people to get in from the five boroughs. But um, if you can't come see me in person, I do also some telehealth stuff. So I do a lot of coaching with my patients as well to help them, um, you know, especially if they're going through fertility or some painful periods, like what are things that they can do at home? I will show them how to do the massage and, um, you know, give them a lot of tips that way. So those are probably the best ways to find me offhand. Awesome. Cool. And I'll have all of the links in the show notes. So it'll be easy to find. 
Well, thank you so much for being here today. It was great chatting with you. You too. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with somebody that you think might benefit from hearing some of the information that was shared here today. If you're interested in finding more about me, you can find me on my website at rosebudwellness.com, on Instagram at rosebud underscore wellness, or on Facebook at the Rosebud Wellness community. Also, if you're feeling called to leave a, a rating or writing a review, that would be amazing. It really helps to get the podcast out to more listeners. Thanks so much for listening and until next time.